Hey there, sports fan. Welcome to the Draft Site Podcast, your home for all professional sports drafts. Brought to you by DraftSite.com, the original full round mock draft site. Now let's get to the show. Welcome, everybody, to Draft Site's 21st podcast and the first one where we are now officially on iTunes. So you can get it at more places than just our website and just SoundCloud. Now you can get it on iTunes. Download it to your phone and listen to it while you're walking to work or on the pooper. Today we have DJ and Zach. You guys want to say hi? Hi, everybody. Yes, and I would like to say I am currently not on the pooper, as you, as you say. Well, that's good. I'd, hear, I'd probably hear the echo from the bathroom if you were. But. Anyway, so today we're going to talk about a few things. We're going to go through the latest mock draft that just came out today. We're going to have DJ's take. We're going to have Zach's take. We're going to go through a, a little comparable game that we came up with. We're going to compare some of the players in this draft to some of the players from previous drafts. We're going to do a little bit of a mailbag, go through some of the nasty and some of the fun and some of the positive emails that we got, whatever it is. We're going to go through them. And finally, maybe we'll touch on the big NCAA game. Uh, at the end of the call. Sounds awesome. I'm really excited. Okay. Like a plan. I'm going through the mock draft right now, and there's been a bunch of changes this week. Uh, some of the notable ones were Amari Cooper is back at number four over Kevin White to Oakland. We have Marcus Mariota back to the Jets at number six. There's a new, a couple new faces in the first round. Rashard Perriman from Central Florida, the wide receiver. Up at 14 to Miami, we have Kevin Johnson, the cornerback from Wake Forest, 22 to Pittsburgh. Melvin Gordon's working his way down the other way down the mock, and he's at 29 to Indianapolis. And it looks like Todd Gurley just missed out again. He's at 35 to Oakland, uh, as well as some of the other notables like Brett Hundley, Shaq Thompson, Cameron Irving, Sammy Coates, these are guys that we've had in the first round before. So, DJ, tell us about some of the uh, thought behind the changes this week. Well, with, uh, with Marcus Mariota, I still think it's kind of a crapshoot here. I, I'm, I'm really not convinced he'll go to Tennessee or he'll go to the Jets. I, I really think they're – I think the, the team at number three, Jacksonville, really holds the key here. Uh, I think I have them taking uh, – them taking Dante Fowler, you know, a player like uh, Vic Beasley, you know, someone that can uh, bring some a rush along the outside. But I think that Jacksonville knows that they can do that by moving down a few notches on the on the draft board. Now, I think if any team makes a deal in that top five, it's going to be Jacksonville looking to slide back. And I think a team possibly looking to take Marcus Mariota, and uh, you know, it, whether it's going to be the Titans, uh, if they're going to take him a two or if he slips by, that, that uh, a team's going to jump up there and not really give the Jets the chance. Or the Jets are really going to have to kind of move up a couple of spots in order just to um, make sure to select him. So, you know, the rumors are starting. We have to see now, you know, that now's a, an interesting time, whether to see there's smoke and mirrors involved, whether there's any truth to the rumors. Kind of the one that kind of a hard time believing right now, you know, there there is a little bit of the uh, – the, the San Diego and uh, Tennessee rumor. We, we've got to see if there's any truth to the uh, Phil, Philip Rivers, to the Titans. I, I'm, I'm not really buying this one right now. Well, it's not the most ludicrous thing I've heard, uh, but uh, the fact that maybe San Diego could be a landing spot for Marcus Mariota. But this, this is the time where we start to hear that stuff, and you've got to sift through what's factual and what is just complete fabrication. Zach, on your mock draft, how do you how do you have the top five going? Tampa Bay, Tennessee, Jacksonville, Oakland, and Washington. Jameis Winston's a no brainer. I've been saying that, you know, since I started coming on here. He's I won't I won't ruin it with my, my comparison to an NFL prospect, but I mean he's about as surefire as the first overall pick as we've had since Andrew Luck, and I even think he's more surefire than Andrew Luck because, you know, RG three had a, a very late push and a lot of people were saying that Ursay was considering uh RG3. Two, I think, is the wild card because I think that the Titans do take Marion, and if they don't, they trade it, and their their interest right now could be a, a fake interest. I think there's a team that's willing to move up to two to get them. Uh, I think the fortunate team in this this whole Mariota winston uh, sweepstakes, I guess you'd call it, is the Jaguars, and I think they got to go with uh, Leonard Williams. He's just the best overall player in the draft. I mean, I still think Winston's a better overall player, but 
in terms of being surefire at their position. I'm Leonard Williams is about as surefire as the defensive lineman that I've seen in a very, very long time. Uh, and then to me, it gets interesting. I think the Raiders got to go with Amari Cooper. You, you got your quarterback in the future. Um, you can draft running back early in the, early in the second round. Cooper, to me, is better than White. He was, he was better for longer than White. Maybe he didn't test as well as White, but put on the, put on the tape, he plays very, very fast. And then to the, for the Redskins, I'd say it's whatever pass rusher they like the most. And, uh, I, I hear that they're, they're leaning towards Dante Fowler just because he's a guy that can play all three downs, but, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody like, uh, Randy Gregory sneaks in there. Randy Gregory had, Admitted to, uh, I think it was marijuana. Now that's obviously yeah, that's that's nothing serious. That's <laughs> nothing serious. But do you think you can drop him out of the top fifteen? Calvin Johnson admitted uh, smoking marijuana right before the draft, and uh, didn't seem to affect his draft stock too much. I think the fact that he admitted that he used it, and he said there was a time in his life where he smoked a lot of marijuana, and he's discontinued smoking it. Uh, I, I don't think that's gonna. They're gonna. Same reason why Jameis Winston's off the field issues aren't gonna be that big of a deal. Because uh, if they show that they acknowledge that they made the mistakes and they've grown up and it's, you know, been part of their growing pains, I think it's encouraging to NFL teams. I think there's a shot that he still goes in the top ten, but I think it, it, it is kind of a big deal because uh, he did get popped for marijuana twice in Nebraska. Uh, and He's already now obviously going to be uh, in uh, a level one of the, the substance abuse program. He had uh, one more strike. Uh, had he tested positive a third time in Nebraska, he would have been let go there. So it's a little bit habitual there, but hopefully, you know, the fact that he did come forward, that that should speak volumes. Um, I I think that uh, I just have him uh, going outside there because I have the Redskins going with Vic Beasley currently because I have the Jaguars going with Dante Fowler. I think those are the big two right there. You've got Kane Ray. He's he's still one of the top five uh, pass rushers available in this draft. In the latest mock, I have him going 15th to San Francisco with all of the – People they've lost either through retirement or you know just old age. I mean, there's a there's a lot of turnover on that defense. So I think Randy Gregory would fit and uh, you know slide to a great position right there. And then just to to go back a little bit, to talk about big movers. Of course, Brashad Perriman, probably the the largest mover just because of the the four two two and the four two four. This is a guy we've heard a lot about. Uh, you know, makes big plays. Uh, eight over uh, eighty nine catches the last two years. Um, Fifteen sixteen touchdowns. Talking about a good lineage, of course, uh, with uh, his father, um, of course, Brett Perriman uh, being that uh, number two guy to Herman Moore for so many years with the Lions. So you're, uh, you've got a little bit of the bloodline going there. So I think in a place like Miami, playing at Central Florida, it's, it's kind of a natural fit. But I think uh, a team like Miami or Kansas City, uh, he's really going to be that, that wide receiver that I think is flying up uh, the board and he'll go somewhere in the first round. I think he's probably the, the largest mover we've seen. The other being Byron Jones, who I think a lot of people thought was going to be maybe a late first-rounder had his other uh, tests kind of come out as as good as that jump heard around the world with that 12-foot-3 broad jump that uh, you know, even got a tweet from the U.S. track and field competition. I think if he doesn't make it in the pros, he's maybe got a, uh, a future in jumping. But, uh, you know, he, he really is a, more of a physical corner, and that's something that gets lost in the NFL nowadays, someone who can – you don't want to say shut down corner. Sometimes that's kind of an anomaly. There, there's not too many people that, that can live up to that billing, but he is a guy that can play very good man-to-man uh, defense. He's a, a good run stopper as well, and I actually got him uh, sneaking into the first round now uh, as well, number 30 overall to Green Bay. So I think those are probably the two biggest movers uh, that we're seeing in the latest version. Let's talk about some of the late round guys. What were some of, name some of the guys that snuck into the seventh round maybe out of nowhere. Um, I think uh, one guy, Donatella Luckett, I think is uh, a person that a lot of people are not familiar with out of Harding University, another wide receiver that uh, I think is, is drawing a lot of attention. Uh, Marcus Murphy is a running back out of Missouri, but I think could be that, uh, that return man that kind of hits uh, the NFL uh, and makes his mark as a return man before maybe you know playing for a couple of years, a.k.a. Like a, like a Randall Cobb type, and maybe make his more of a mark uh, on the field as a receiver as well. Um, a player like Davis Tall out of uh, Chattanooga, who I think is moving maybe in kind of like the, the mid-rounds now, the fact that uh, uh, he was uh, one of the top uh, F- FCS prospects out there and 
just a really short tackler and the fact that the inside uh, linebacker class is a little bit lacking this year, uh, I think is, is something that's going to help him. We always have one or two prospects from Canada, so you got to look at a wide receiver like Addison Richards out of uh, Regina, a uh, 6'5 wide receiver, kind of that uh, big-body guy who I think is more of a wide receiver if I say tight end. I think that's really been the question for a lot of people out there. Is he more of a tight end or is he more of a wide receiver? Can he create separation at the next level? And one guy that I absolutely love, Stanley Andre, the uh, outside linebacker out of uh, UMass, is just someone who doesn't get a lot of, of publicity. I just don't know why. The more and more I watch this guy in film, I think he's maybe the number six or seven inside linebacker possibly in this draft, and no one seems to talk about him, and I just don't understand it. Uh, at Pro Day, he did make a little bit of noise, so hopefully uh, there's there's some chatter that's actually going to start happening, and uh, hopefully he get, he finds a home as well. And the, and uh, you got to give uh, another small school shout out there. The kicking class is a little bit thin this year, but there's some good punters. I think the top punter is, is going to go off the board by the sixth or seventh round as well, and that's someone that's outside of FBS. Kyle Loomis from Portland State. Got to give a shout-out to those small school punters. I think uh, that's, a, that's someone that, uh, you know, three or four teams have had him in already. So I think that he's, he's a guy that's when to hear his name drafted might uh, be that, that's not going to be brought in via the free agent route. So I think the first special teams player we see of that nature is, is going to come from outside the, uh, the big schools. Zach, anyone that you think is being overlooked right now in uh, mock drafts around the around the country? Uh, yeah, I think uh, a guy that I'm a really big fan of, and especially because it's becoming uh, a passing league, and I actually have him as one of my top five receivers, is Tyler Lockett. This is a guy that uh, was the number one receiver at Kansas State, numbers-wise, was almost as prolific as anybody in the country the last two years. And it's somebody that if you were to – put with a really good quarterback and line him up in the slot or on the outside or anywhere. He's going to be, I mean, he's a, just a world-class football player. And I, I look forward to a team, a savvy passing team like the Saints or Packers, getting him in the second round, maybe even late first round. Because if you watch him play, he's, he's, he reminds me of like a more polished Golden Tate, ready to go right now. So that's somebody that I'm looking forward to next year, making an immediate impact. Anything else on the latest mock before we go on? No, I think uh, people just need to go out and, and see the mock. We're going to be uh, probably going to be a lot more changes coming, uh, especially to the back end. I, I think maybe just more of the ears to the ground over the next week or two now that the pro days are winding up and seeing some of those the push for some of these. It's, it's not just a particular push for athletes, but maybe some teams that are really kind of big on a couple, couple particular prospects late in the, the draft process, someone that you might not think would get drafted, but maybe there's two or three teams that are really, really stuck on that prospect and suddenly they hear their name called. So that's probably an area where we'll be concentrating over the next week to 10 days. All right. Well, now we're going to play a little game called Who Would You Rather? I guess. We'll stick with that name for now. It's the first time we're playing it. But I'm actually very excited because I've come up with some great comparables. And what you guys are going to have to do is decide who would you rather have on your team. The purpose of this game is every year the draft comes around and people obsess over different players. And part of that is because they might be the best player in the draft at that position. But if you compare them to other drafts, they're frankly subpar. They frankly would have been maybe a second-round pick. And I think we've seen that year after year in other drafts. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to name a player from the 2015 draft, and I'm going to name a player from one of the last three drafts. And you're going to have to tell me who would you rather have on your team when the season starts. So, you know, are we saying that player when they came out of college or that player right now? Or just for a franchise in general? Say that player right now. All right, here we go. The first one, number four projected overall pick, Amari Cooper, or last year's number 20 pick to New Orleans, Brandon Cook. Zach, who would you rather have, Brandon Cook or Amari Cooper? I love Brandon Cooks, and I think with Drew Brees, he's going to be amazing, but i got to take Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper to me is uh, just an all-around excellent football player. He did it for more years than Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks really... I mean, he, he was good, but it wasn't until that last year until he put up the, the really gaudy numbers. Amari Cooper, to me, is somebody that's going to be a 10-year a, a pro, and he might not be sexy just because he didn't run, you know, a 4-3-40. But uh, to say that Kevin White or Perriman are better than him is just ridiculous. And I think if you were to put him on the Saints with Drew Brees, I would definitely take him over Cooks. 
I think overall as a receiver, I would rather have Amari Cooper, but I think these are two receivers that are vastly different. It almost seems like which team is actually picking that player. I would disagree a little bit, I think, as far as the Saints, I think they really kind of hit that law, that Lance Moore type uh, kind of slot guy uh, that, that uh, Cooks is, although he's going to be playing a little more on the outside, but still has gone now. I think he is a great fit for that offense. But as far as just overall receiving skills, maybe uh, I would probably have to take Amari Cooper. But I, I think as far as Cooks, I think was just a, a great, great fit for, for New Orleans. And I'm surprised he didn't put in even better numbers. I think he was the person I projected to be offensive rookie of the year last year. So um, He got hurt. He was putting up pretty good numbers. Yeah, he did He did uh, put up pretty good numbers. But, uh, you know, Beckham had such a good closing of the season. But uh, I, I think on New Orleans, Cooks is the better fit. But overall, I would take Cooper. Uh, well, I knew you both loved Cooks. That's why I did that one. Uh, so the next one is going to be Leonard Williams, who we have projected as number two, and DJ is his his number one overall prospect, or last year's number one overall pick, Jadavian Clowney. And keep in mind, they are a little different. They do play different positions, but um, I want you to compare the two of them. And who would you rather have if they were in the same draft today? I'm I'm going to go Leonard Williams just because I think uh, and he's been the top pick overall. I think there's more versatility there playing uh, the tackle spot in, in the end where you know Clowney is being made in more of a kind of a linebacker role and, and playing defensive end in college. But there's just more versatility to Leonard Williams. I don't think he had the questions surrounding him taking plays off, and I think he's going to attract just as many double teams as what uh, uh, Jadavian Clowney did. So I, I think this is a no-brainer. I'm going Leonard Williams, although Jadavian Clowney's not a bad. Consolation prize. I also think it's a no-brainer, but I'm going to go Clowney. I just think people, because of this one down year, forget how dominant of a prospect he was. They, he might be the best prospect in my lifetime all around in terms of combining the film, especially from uh, his sophomore year and uh, his measurables. But uh, I think Clowney, especially with J.J. Watt next year, is going to do some crazy things. And I think uh, it's not a knock on Leonard Williams, but Clowney to me is just special, and he's going to show it next year. And I'm not going to be surprised because when he's lining up with J.J. Watt, if he doesn't get like a 15-plus sack season this season. All right. I'm glad we disagreed on something. This is great. Let's keep going. Trey Waynes, we have him projected at number 11 to Minnesota for the first-round pick at number 10 in 2012, Stephen Gilmore. Uh, to me, they're, they're both similar because they're both really, really good, big physical tackling corners, uh, but I'm going to go Trey Waynes. Again, it's not a knock on Gilmore. Uh, I've just, as a Steeler fan, I've been watching a lot of Trey Waynes because that's somebody that I really think would be a nice Steeler. It would be nice to see the Steelers finally address the cornerback position in the first round, something they haven't done. Kevin Colbert's taken over as GM, but to me, he's just a total football player. Uh, I, I think he's better than Dark West Denard when Denard was there, and uh, maybe it's just that I'm high on Waynes because I've watched Probably more film on him than, than any defensive player this year, but uh, I, would, I would take Waynes. Waynes, but that, that splitting hairs, I have to agree, they are, they are kind of similar. I think uh, I thought Gilmore went a little bit higher than what I had anticipated that year. I think he's, uh, he's been a little bit inconsistent, but overall still a very good prospect. I think someone who is, practices hard and uh, seems to be uh, uh, very coachable and, and someone that's uh, well-respected within the organization. But I'm going to go Waynes. I think he's really kind of Unlike last year when Justin Gilbert kind of pulled away and became the top prospect and is someone I wasn't as high on, I, I do think that Trey Waynes is, is the real deal. Again, I think the only one that can hold a candle to him is Marcus Peters, and I think with all the his dismissal from Washington, it made this a no-brainer, and Waynes is definitely the top corner off the board, and I think the better of the two we just compared. For this one, I'm going to give you two different players. We're going to compare Marcus Marietta, who we have projected at number six to the Jets right now, and, DJ, you're going to get Ryan Tannehill. Who would you rather have? Oh, wow. Um, right now, right now, I would have to say Tannehill just because you're talking about what he would be like now. You're talking about a guy who's going to be entering his fourth year in the league. I think Marriott is still going to be a good player, but it's going to take him some time. So if I'm trying to decide between uh, – you know, Tannehill's still rather young. So I, I would take Tannehill. I think he was on the cusp of – really kind of turning the corner. He put up some good stats last year. I just think that he needs a little more of a stable running game around him and, and uh, an offensive line that's uh, really had lost of, of course, was decimated the year before due to the uh, 
losing a couple starters there and the, the uh, goings-ons that, that, that happened in Miami, but the fact that they missed so many games injury last year, I believe they were second or third in the NFL for offensive linemen that uh, started and, and games lost uh, to injury. And the fact that he still put up some pretty good numbers, and without a real top-notch wide receiver core, I, I think uh, Tannehill's a little bit undervalued. I don't know if he'll ever make that next step, but I'm not quite sure Mariota's going to take that next step either. I think at best Mariota might turn into about the same player. So right now, four years into the league versus a rookie, I, I would rather take the guy with the experience. Zach, who I was going to give to you is Marcus Mariota or your boy, Johnny Manziel. I'm sticking with Manziel just because too early to give up on him and I was so high on him. Maybe it's like a pride thing, but uh, if he can get his head straight, I think he's, he's as talented as they come. And I just like the way that he translates into a conservative offense. I say you can't really build the offense around him. You've got to do with, like, what the Seahawks did with Russell Wilson and have him play quarterback in a very limited capacity with a very good power run game and maybe his game is salvageable. If you let him drop back and try to do what he did at Texas A&M in the NFL, it's just not going to happen. Mariota, to me, still, although he was surgical in college, looks a little goofy the way he runs, the way he moves, the way he throws. So, uh, I mean, it's not, uh, it's not that I don't like Mariota. It's that, you know, I, I rode Manziel so hard, and I'm not going to give up on him after one year because if they get him in the right system, I thought the Texans would have been Foster would have been absolutely perfect for him. When you're playing with the Browns and there's really – not when you're handing off to a bunch of rookie running backs and Josh Gordon is, you know, a sloppy version of himself. I don't think Rick would have done would have done well there. Uh, and I think it's encouraging that Manziel's in rehab and the team's kind of shunning him because that, that's exactly what he needs. And I, I think uh, next year he'll be better. They'll at least give him a shot. DJ, I'll let you take a crack at that. Oh, mm, that's a tough one. That's a real tough one. Wow. If there's a pass button, I'm hitting it on that one. Uh <laughs> Honestly, if I'm if I'm the GM, I'm looking to trade out of that spot. Uh, <laughs> just because I just think there's questions with both of them. With with Manziel, I think it is. You're taking a big chance uh, if he actually does have his head straight. I do agree. I think in the right system, he's a very good weapon to have. And with Mariota, I just think you got to have him in the right in the right system. Again, I think Mariota is going to be a good quarterback. I'm just not. I'm just not convinced he's going to be a great quarterback. He's not. He's a guy that I think is going to come into the league and he's going to say all the right things, do all the right things, and win you some games, but I just don't know if he's a guy. And I think that's the, the big reason why Jameis Winston is definitely the number one pick in this draft, just because the, the pro skills compared to what Mariota has to offer is just, just you know off the charts. Even despite what people say about his off-the-field activities, his football intelligence is off the charts. And I think uh, he's definitely a special guy who you can see leading a, a franchise to the Palms plan. I just don't see that with Marcus Marietta. With Manziel, the right system, I think there's a bigger ceiling with Manziel. Say I, I, would, I would have to choose Manziel begrudgingly in that one, but well, I would do everything in my power to get out of picking between those two and looking for a third scenario. And I was going to say, I noticed uh, in the media a lot of the Browns players are saying Johnny's got to prove himself, Johnny's got to prove himself, and that's, that just shows you that last year his head, he, wasn't, he wasn't practicing as hard as he could be. He was always saying the right things but never doing the right things. And I think the stint in rehab and the fact that when the Browns talk about what they're doing in the off season with, with a new coaching and uh, like a new offense and, and they're not mentioning Manziel and it's in the media and you know that he's sitting there sober reading about it. I, I just, he has that mindset, I think, that, that he's going to flourish in that situation. And you know me, I'm like, uh, I'm a big time Johnny Manziel supporter. Not because I like him off the field. I, I personally, I think he's a punk off the field. But, uh, I mean, he's a special football player. And if they can you get some weapons around them, and it's going to be tough to, to do because, I mean, the Browns need some skill position players, especially with Josh Gordon gone. So, I mean, I, I don't really see any quarterback succeeding in Cleveland next year. But if they're patient with him or, or he goes to a team like the Texans, who I thought were absolutely perfect for him, uh, I, I take him over Mariota in a heartbeat. Did you want to do Mariota versus Tannehill? Uh, I, I like a lot of what DJ said. I would have had to agree with him. If it's for next year, definitely Tannehill. They're very similar to me. They run. They ran very similar offenses coming out of uh, college. And uh, although I don't think Tannehill's ever going to take that leap and be a, be a very good quarterback, you know, a top 15, top 10 quarterback, um, I I do like what he does in the, the, the quick-tempo Joe Philbin offense. So, uh to me, they're, they're pretty much interchangeable, and 
I would, like DJ, give it, give it to Tannehill based on experience. Well, then I, I assume you'd take Manziel over Tannehill, too. Yeah, just because, yeah, my, my uh, Manziel crush, as I like to call it. <laughs> yeah, I would probably take Manziel over Tannehill. I just don't, ceiling-wise, I, I don't see it. Like, Tannehill could be a pretty good quarterback. Maybe Mariota has a higher ceiling in the long run than Tannehill, because I just don't see Tannehill ever being, you know, an, an elite quarterback, but... Like I said, if you put, I could see Manziel winning. Let's go with another quarterback here. Guy we have projected at number forty-one, Brett Hundley out of UCLA. Rather have him or EJ Manuel, the number sixteen overall pick in the two thousand in draft. Uh, I'm gonna have to go with EJ Manuel, even though you know, people are probably pretty low on EJ Manuel. He showed that he really, you know, wasn't a starting caliber quarterback yet. We'll see this year. Uh, their offense, I think he he's better suited to run the offense than anybody they have on the roster as of right now. Uh, just an athletic, fast, laterally offense. Um, and uh, I'm not that in, impressed with Hunley altogether. Uh, he was a good decision maker, and, and he's very athletic, but he's just he doesn't seem that accurate of a passer to me. Uh, and uh, I, just, I thought E.J. Manuel was definitely a better prospect coming out, and the fact that he's got the experience, I, I mean, I'd, I'd go with E.J. Manuel. Uh, I don't like either one. I thought I really wanted to trade out of the Manziel Mariota scenario, but this one's even worse. Um, you know, I was definitely not a, a manual fan. I'm, I've and I've been very vocal on record saying I like the work ethic of Brett Hundley. I, I like uh, parts of his game, but just overall, if there's any top-flight prospect that screams bust at the quarterback position in this draft, it's Brett Hundley. So I think, unfortunately, we're comparing bust versus bust. So in this scenario, experience means so much. Even though Manuel's never really, really been the man in Buffalo, he's got some NFL uh, starts under his belt. So I would have to take EJ Manuel in this scenario. He was never really awful in Buffalo, but I, I just I don't see either one of these quarterbacks being a long-term answer to any franchise. Uh, but I think the bus potential with with Hunley is even greater than it is with Manuel. So I I would have to take EJ Manuel here. Let's let's move on to another position. Todd Gurley or Carlos Hyde, DJ? Oh, uh, Todd Gurley. Even with the injury, I, I think this was one of the best. Uh, this, this was one of the best uh, running back prospects I've, I've seen in some time. Definitely like uh, what, what Todd Gurley brings to the table, especially even if he's not able to do it all as a running back right out of the gate, what he's going to be able to do as a return man even at the NFL level I think is going to be exciting. Uh Carlos Hyde, I, I thought that he would have got a little more work last year. I, I thought that, uh, that the torch was being passed to him already. Hopefully that uh, we, we see a little more out of him this year. I do like him. But uh, I, I, I think Gurley has got a chance to be a pretty special prospect. So uh, this one, unlike the last couple scenarios, I like both the guys in this scenario, but I, I just like Gurley better. Yeah, this question was more for Zach because I have a feeling he might go the other way. Zach? No, I'm, I'm with DJ. It's close. And people forget how good Carlos Hyde was coming out of college and how a lot of people hadn't projected as a first-round pick. But uh, Gurley, uh, it's, 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 it's even to me. And just uh, to be to play on my Ohio State bias, the only reason I would consider Carlos Hyde is because I think he has better hands out of the backfield. Uh, obviously, Gurley's got the kick returning abilities, but I mean, I think you got to go with Gurley. Gurley is, Gurley and Gordon are both legitimate first-round picks. So, uh, I'd probably go with Gurley. Let's go a couple more quick ones. We're going to go with Iowa tackles slash guards. Brandon Scherf or Riley Reef? I'll go with Scherf. I think he's, uh, oh, oh, you could play me either guard or tackle. Uh, he'll definitely be, if I remember correctly, Reef was drafted like 23rd. Uh, I, I'm going to go uh, Brandon, because uh, he's going to be a top ten pick, and I see him being like Zach Martin. Brandon Scherf, I, I think there's just more of a ceiling here, no matter where you put him. Uh, Reef, good player. I don't think he's got Pro Bowl potential. I think Scherf will eventually get there. All right, now we're going nose tackles. Danny Shelton, or one of my favorite guys coming out of uh, draft a couple years ago, Star Latulele. Oh, Latulele. Uh, I think that. Uh, and hopefully uh, in next year's draft, we'll have uh, his brother coming out. He'll be a uh, red shirt. And I think we're, we're going to have a couple of them in the NFL. Uh, I think he's a lot, more explo- a lot more explosion, more penetration ability, and is not as one-dimensional as what Danny Shelton is. 
Yeah, I go to Star too. I feel like Star was going to be like a top five pick, and then maybe some piece of uh, information about his health, maybe his heart, if I remember correctly, came out, and he fell to the Panthers. But yeah, I mean, he's a bona fide star already. AJ Can, a guard out of South Carolina, or Chance Warmack. I'm going to go with Chance Warmack uh, because I've been reading a lot about him this offseason. That you know, he's been making a lot of news because he's got a six pack all of a sudden. I think when he came into the league, he was like 370 or something ridiculous. I think he's lost like 40 pounds. He actually kind of does have a six-pack. I mean, I wouldn't call it your traditional six-pack, but he looks fit. And uh, it always takes an offensive lineman a little while to get adjusted, and I think uh, he'll be very serviceable this year. Warmack as well. I, I, I was pretty high on him coming out, and uh, I do like that Ken. Uh, I think there's a little bit of some, some injury problems that have come up recently. Maybe he doesn't have quite the strength that people have thought, especially with uh, holding up uh, blockers right at the, the point of penetration. So I, I, I'm definitely going to warm back here. Let's go safeties here. Landon Collins or Kenny Vaccaro? This is a great one. Yeah, I mean, I'll just go with Vaccaro. Because all around, I think he's better in pass coverage and it's becoming a more passing league. But, I mean, Landon Collins is just a straight football player. I mean, you can't go wrong with him and run support everything. He's got a nose for a football, a nose for football. He's got instinct. I just think McCarroll covers more ground in the passing league. That's going to be the tiebreaker for me. Well, I like them both. I think this goes on the type of defense you're running. If you want the traditional uh, all-around guy, I think you got to go Landon Collins. If you've got uh, another guy opposite to you that is another good safety and someone that can take a little more chance, McCarroll can cover more of the field, maybe it's, uh, takes a few more chances on the, some of those uh, pass plays and then a little more of a gambler. If you've got someone across from you that – that can allow for a little more gambling, then I think he's over Carroll in that situation just because I think he's more of a big play guy. But I think all-around ability, it's Collins. So I give it to Collins just barely, but again, in the right, uh, it depends on the defensive alignment. You could definitely go to Caro there if you've got a little more gainer and another good safety across from him. I think you take him over Collins in that situation. Let's go tight end. Max Williams or Eric Ebron? I'd go Eric Ebron, and that's not just my uh, UNC homer uh, right there. But I think both, uh, they're, they're pretty similar. They both kind of uh, had some, I'd say, late kind of blooming. Both came out early. Williams actually had two years of eligibility. I think he's um, both need a little bit of uh, a little bit of time to adjust to, to blocking and are more kind of uh, receivers are, are looked at right now. But I think uh, Ebron, I think maybe more of kind of that H-back where, where Williams is, a, is going to be more of a traditional tight end. So I think you can do a few more things with uh, uh, Eric Ebron. So I, I like the ceiling there, although I think Max Williams, even though he's a sophomore, I think he's more pro-ready. I think that Ebron really needs another year or two before he really starts to put up some big numbers. So if you're looking for a guy for instant impact, I go Williams, long-term, Eric Ebron. I, I like uh, DJ said with Vaccaro and Collins. Again, it's schematically. If I'm the Pittsburgh Steelers, I take Max Williams because to me he's like like a like a bigger, more athletic Keith Miller. But uh, for the Lions, you got to go Ebron because uh, a passing team. You're going to line somebody up opposite Calvin Johnson in the slot. Just uh, another matchup nightmare. So it really depends. Uh, I lean towards uh, Williams because I watched a lot of Minnesota football and they did not have much. He was. Really, other than other than Cobb, he was their only offensive threat. And when they were throwing it, they knew it was going to him. And, you know, their quarterback had a noodle arm. So uh, I lean towards Williams just because he fits the type of uh, – he, he fits in more offenses. Ebron probably will have a few statistically monster years. But I like Williams like the same reason I would like Heath Miller because I see him having a consistent, consistently really good career. Let's go another wide receiver, and I'm feeling I know which way you're going to go, but Kelvin Benjamin or Kevin White, Zach? To me, it's a no-brainer to me, Kelvin Benjamin. Kelvin Benjamin looked fantastic last year. I mean, he's only going to get better. He was raw coming out. I mean, he, he's, he's just a monster in the red zone. He dropped a lot of passes in the last year. I expect that to change, and, I mean, I'm really not – the biggest Kevin White fan. I, I liked him a lot before he became, when people said, until people started putting him above Cooper. That just really didn't make sense to me. I couldn't disagree more on this one. I'm not a huge, huge Kevin White person. I think he's good, but Kelvin Benjamin, I don't think is really a good receiver at all. I think if you put him on another team like Carolina, he has maybe 20 catches and maybe gets him a touchdown, touchdown two times. They have absolutely no one to throw to there. A lot of his touchdowns 
there were a few touch, especially toward the end of the year where a lot of his touchdowns are coming in garbage time or where the team's down by 20 points. There's never – you can't look at film and point out big catches he's making in a close game or putting them ahead. It just – I thought he was going to be more – I honestly thought, saw him as more of an NFL tight end. I mean, I, I, I mean he, he, he did a lot better than I thought. He was kind of my bust pick going into last year, and he definitely didn't bust. you got to give him that. But uh, there's not, there wasn't a lot to work with around him, so – Given the benefit of the doubt, he's turned out a little better than I thought, but uh, there were a lot of drops, and I hopefully he's worked on it this year. And, you know, he's, he's established that he's probably the number one receiver there, so he's definitely taking it by the reins. Hopefully he runs with it now, but was not high on him at all. And I think uh, you still got to be a little bit leery of him this year. All right, I got one more for you. Shane Ray or Jarvis Jones? DJ, the outside linebackers. Ooh. Wow. I, I like Jarvis Jones coming out, and he really hasn't shown too much right now. And Kane uh, Ray a little bit worried about as well. Uh, right now I just have to say Shane Ray just because Char- Jarvis Jones hasn't shown me as much. I, I'm, it's really kind of disappointing. I, I really thought that we were going to see a little more out of him. I'm going to have to give Shane Ray the benefit of the doubt uh, here, but there's some aspects about his game. The fact that he plays really high uh, seems to kind of – kind of go to the well once too often or use kind of the same array of moves. Doesn't seem to have a large rep- repertoire of moves to go to. Uh, so I, I think when he gets stymied, he, he tends to disappear for long stretches. So it, it, this is another comparison I don't really like as much, but I would have to go Ray just because Jones hasn't shown me what I thought I was going to see thus far. But I really liked him coming out, but can't hit them all. So. Yeah, Jarvis Jones hasn't shown me sh- and I watch every Steeler game. I am not impressed with him at all. There's been a few times where he's gotten close to the quarterback, but his pass rushing moves don't don't translate. And what I don't like about him at all, I saw him on Instagram. He's never working out. He's always putting up pictures of girls. You see the guys like Shazier. Shazier's in the gym every day. I know that you can go on Instagram and make it look like you're working out, but he's never with the team. Shazier's always with Joey Porter. I have been so disappointed in Jarvis Jones because, like you just said, coming out, I was like, how did the steal? How did he fall all the way to the Steelers? What an amazing thing to happen. He's perfect for the Steelers. Uh, but I'm, I, I just take Ray just because right now I'm just I'm not happy with Jarvis Jones at all. It'll be interesting to see and whatever new hybrid defense the Steelers plan on running because really nobody knows what they're going to run defensively yet. Uh, if they can just have him pass rush and get him off the field, but he has shown me absolutely nothing. So I'm going to go with Ray. I'm so right, glad wow. that Zach, Zach had actually said about he almost gets to the quarterback because I honestly found myself. I got to try and remember what the movie is. Some '80s movie with Judge Reinhold, where he's actually a basketball player and he gets hurt and he comes back. And I remember he's in front of the class and he starts playing this guitar and a song called "A Step Too Slow." And he's talking about, you know, his game and how he's a step too slow to everything. Whenever I see Jarvis Jones in the NFL, that 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 song keeps popping in my head. He always seems to be a step too slow. So that was a I don't know why or why I just regaled back on any movies, but uh, that just seems to bring back memories about if it, that. So. If it was one-hand touch, if it was one-hand touch, it'd be a 15-sack, man. <laughs> and Jarvis, if you're listening, get in the gym. Get in the gym. Stop taking pictures with – stop liking all these women on Instagram. Worry about getting better at football. Zach, if he is listening, I'm sure he'd tell you the same thing. <laughs> that was fun. We'll uh, we'll do this again next week. I think if ever, if any of the listeners have any comparisons they'd like us to debate on, tweet us, send us emails, uh, let us know, and we'll we'll get them going. All right, let's go to the mailbag real quick. Um, I think we owe Rick Smith a. An analysis because he he is a very loyal Packers fan and he sends us an email after every Packer after every mock draft update. Some are nasty, some are nice. Rick, you're getting the floor here right now. In the latest mock draft, he said you get an A for the first four picks, a D for the last five. Two tweener defensive ends, a wide receiver. Ted Thompson will draft an offensive guard and offensive tackle. Outside linebacker, inside linebacker, defensive tackle. Tight end, maybe. He likes Bell a lot. Other considerations at safety to replace Richardson, surprise, QB, long shot, running back. He did say, your site is the best, and I go to them all. That's Rick. You're the man because uh, you can say what you will on the other week. You can call us stupid, but uh, that, that line I like. So we're going to address it. 
DJ, right now in the mock draft, um, we have Green Bay taking Byron Jones, cornerback out of Connecticut, Stephon Anthony, the inside linebacker out of Clemson, Justin Fowler, the fullback out of Alabama, Lorenzo Doss, cornerback out of Tulane, Jarvis Harrison, offensive guard, Texas A&M, Xavier Dixon, uh, probably doesn't need the Z in his name, inside linebacker from Alabama in the sixth round, Ray Drew, defensive end, Georgia, Tony Washington, outside linebacker, Oregon, Bernard Blake, cornerback, Colorado State. How do you feel about... Um, how do you feel about Rick's email? Do you, do you agree that some changes might need to be made, or do you feel pretty good about how we have Green Bay picking? Oh, I think it's more of a crapshoot when you get toward the, the later rounds, but uh, I think that a couple of the players there, Stefan Anthony, I know there's a couple of teams that seem to be really, really high on him that he's already uh, been to see the Packers on a couple of occasions. They seem to be the team, one of the teams that are high on Justin Fowler as well. looks like uh, you know John Coon has been extended a few times. This might be the last time it's happened. If, or if they do, maybe they, they keep him around for a year and, and finally let go of Coon uh, and his salary and you know get a cheaper alternative in there and, and Fowler being the best fullback there is. And Green Bay being one of the teams that really kind of does play a true fullback at times or kind of more of a, a receiving option or in short-line situations. So, uh, you know, maybe some of the defensive ends there uh, uh, toward the back. You know, there, there's some different, uh, definite areas where they could – to go in other directions. Uh, I know we had uh, Bernard in there, the the cornerback uh, from Colorado State. That's a player that uh, they were they they talked to him a lot, as well as uh, Garrett Grayson, the oh, quarterback who then had a separate pro day. Uh, the the quarterback for Colorado State. So there, uh, Green Bay had a had a presence at both of the Colorado State workouts, as well as uh, I've also been told that Rashard Higgins who. I think right now he's my top receiver for next year, the sophomore who played at Colorado State this year. So many people, you know, of course, look at Amari Cooper and uh, Kevin White and some of the the very good receivers we saw this year. But Rashard Higgins really kind of flew under the radar. It'll be interesting to see what kind of numbers puts up without Derek Grayson because I think he's got to be the top wide receiver in next year's draft if he does declare as as a junior. Uh, I know know they need a corner. I know they need an inside linebacker. But – I would just love – I know they're really deep at receiver, but I just see Tyler Lockett as a perfect packer. But, I, I mean, I don't see them going receiver until very late with signing Randall Cobb, having Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, you know, on the on the brink of emerging as a, as a really, really good receiver. So, I mean, I, I'd say maybe you take a shot at somebody like Marcus Peters and hope that uh, the locker room can turn him around. Kevin Johnson wouldn't do that. Rick, thank you very much for your emails and your constant support throughout the, throughout the years. Uh, we appreciate every one of them. Sorry we can't get back. We get a ton of emails, but um, send us emails. We'll try to address them on the call. And thanks again for all the positive uh, encouragement throughout, throughout all your emails. Now let's go to a nasty one. <laughs> Sebastian. Uh, Sebastian, I don't know how to say his name. I'd be nasty too if my name was Sebastian. Uh, well, let's go easy on him. He did come to he did come to the site, but he said, "Subject, your draft sucks." And they said, "Do you even know that the Bears are at a three-four defense? So why do you give them an outside linebacker for a four-three defense? And since when the Bears need a fullback? Stop thinking about your favorite and think about why. Think about all that. Why you're doing a mock draft?" And then he finishes off by saying, idiot. All right. <laughs> who, who do we have him taking? Well, right now we have Chicago Bears. We have him taking, I mean, that was actually the last mock. And keep in mind, for anyone who's listening, uh, a lot of times we make subtle adjustments to the mock, and it has a domino effect. And we can't, can't get them all. But we are one of the few sites. I know I was the, we were the original site that does a seven-round mock draft. So, uh you can't you can't get them all. Sometimes we don't we don't just look at the first round. We look at the seventh round too. We try to make sure they match up, and we try to make sure that you know one team's not necessarily getting four quarterback in the draft. But sometimes you know it can't appease everyone. So right now we have the Chicago Bears taking Kevin White, the wide receiver at number seven, Jalen Collins, the cornerback at LSU, Jay Ajayi, the running back at a Boise State, who I know CJ is very good at saying. Uh, the other Kevin White, the cornerback from TCU, and Tyler Vargas, the fullback from Yale, uh, last 
Benalis, Adrian Amos, the safety out of Penn State. Well, if I could just uh, interject with, uh, with what Sebastian said, you never know. Maybe they took, I'm not sure who, what projection he was talking about, but a lot of times when you're looking for that inside linebacker in the 3-4, you go and you get, you get uh, somebody that played outside linebacker in college. The Pittsburgh Steelers are a perfect example. And I know Vic Fangio thinks very highly of Dick LeBeau. Ryan Shazier was, uh, you know, had a lot of time at outside linebacker. Lawrence Timmons was exclusively an outside linebacker. So when you're switching over to the 3-4, you want to have that, that athletic outside linebacker to, to play on the weak side in the middle. So, I mean, maybe that's, maybe it was, maybe it was Shaq. That's what I'm assuming, but that's a little early, seventh overall. What he said made sense that Vic Fangio has a very particular type of player, but I, I have no problem with what we have him taking right now. Well, they definitely need help on defense, as I pointed out, that, that last year they improved because, uh, you know, two years ago they gave up more points than at any point in franchise history. Last year they improved to the second worst in franchise history, so they got about 40 points better. But, uh, you know, Kevin White at that seven, it makes perfect sense. Uh, one of the reasons why they made the, the deal sending or jettisoning Brandon Marshall was the fact that they knew one of those big two. It was either going to be Amari Cooper or Kevin White. They can address their needs of defense and get that big wide receiver, that big body that Brandon Marshall offered to get some younger blood in the offense. So I think uh, that's an area they, there's, they're going to talk about Danny Shelton, the defensive tackle, which we had him there for a while because, yes, we know they run a 3-4. But Danny Shelton seems to be a little too one-dimensional for the Bears and I think has fallen down a few boards. I think I actually have him going to uh, number 12 to the Browns. The Browns play in a division where they're definitely going to need to stop the run. Jalen Collins and some of the secondary help there. So maybe maybe the fullback, but uh, Vargas kind of that uh, halfback, fullback kind of hybrid. So, um, you know, maybe I, I can see something there, but but everything else seems to make sense. They, they need all the help they can get uh, in the secondary. Uh, obviously, defense, it's back-to-back seasons where they've given up more points at any time in their franchise history. And we're talking about the Bears, a team that's been around for a long, long time. Yes, I know there's more passing going on in the league, but – that, that defense has been a sieve, so they need as many playmakers on the defensive side of the ball as possible. Well, Sebastian, hope that answered your question. Uh, we appreciate you writing in. We appreciate you coming to the site, but uh, we appreciate your support. And give us another shot. You might like the latest mock drafts better. We'll keep updating the mock drafts every so often throughout the time, throughout the next month until the NFL draft comes around. I think that's about it for the NFL draft. Tonight, we got a huge game, Tuke against Wisconsin. Zach, who do you think is winning this game? I'm, I'm pulling for Wisconsin, and I want Wisconsin to win, but I think Duke's going. But I'm just happy that Wisconsin beat Duke so we didn't have to watch that stupid blue-on-white color contrast all night. I love that we got a red versus blue because it makes it easier on the eyes. But I just think Duke's too talented. they got the, the perfect mix of having the trio of excellent freshmen and then, and then the senior leadership at Quinn Cook. I like everything about Wisconsin. I love Kaminsky. I love Decker. I love their entire team. I love Bo Ryan. But I, I think uh, Duke and I think Quinn Cook has a huge game. And his last game is a Blue Devil. My head says uh, the, the word. It's kind of like Voldemort. It's the team that shall not be named because everyone knows I'm a North Carolina fan. So we know where I'm obviously going to be rooting. But the, the freshmen for uh, the D team, is they're, they're, they're quite comparable. Uh, I think they, they probably do come out victorious, but, you know, we know my heart is going to lie with the Badgers tonight. I'm going to be a huge Wisconsin supporter again. I have all the respect in the world for the D team, but, uh, again, being a Carolina fan, I just cannot bring myself to root for them. I think the bigger question, and I don't know, people are not making as big a deal of it, or some people say, oh, it wasn't a big deal. I think the whole press conference thing, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I think that should have been made a bigger deal, and I, I find I think it's very – I can't believe that we're not talking about that more because if the roles are reversed there, this is like a, a huge deal and there's some kind of disciplinary action. But uh, I, I'm, I'm just very, very upset by the way that that's been handled. So I don't know uh, what your guys' take on that whole thing is, but I think that was just uh, – and not to mention, I think yeah. what's being reported in the media was not even what he said. I think it's the wrong quote. I think it was, F that blank up. They left a word off that when you actually slow it up, uh, they are actually leaving a word out of the quote. I think if the roles were reversed, it would be a bigger deal. But uh, I just think he, you know, it was just the vernacular that he was using in uh, in a moment of haste. I don't think he meant anything derogatory out of it. Um, so that's that's why, frankly, I'm not putting too much emphasis on it. 
and uh, I think the media is covering it the right amount, if, if not too much, in my mind. Zach, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, there's a double standard if, if it was the other way around, but obviously it would be much different if it was the other way around. Uh, people got to remember that these are still young kids and fresh off a tough loss, but, I mean, it's still uh, pretty classless. But then again, he's coached by Calipari. Do you expect class? I don't. <laughs> well, touche there. I, I just think it's time that that word is stopped used altogether. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, red, or blue. It's it's just ridiculous. There's no free passes. Uh, it just just needs to stop all except, except for blue people. I'll give blue people a pass. <laughs> as long as those blue people are not wearing uh, uniforms that begin with a D and rhyme with puke and winning the title tonight, then uh, I'll be okay with it. <laughs> Running the NBA mock draft, I do hope Jalil Okafer just dominates. They win. And we can put to rest the Okafer versus Carl Towns debate and admit that he's just the number one overall pick. I, I think so. I won't even disagree. I'm, I'm, yeah, even though that's not my university, uh, I, I thought uh, Parker should have been the, the top pick last year. And people know I'm an Eagle guy. I got them taking Lakin Tomlinson right now in the third round when he plays for that university. So I try to remain objective, but uh, in a situation like this, I just hope my heart uh, wins out and my, my brain does not. So. Well, thank you for being uh, unbiased, DJ. D'Angelo Russell, D'Angelo Russell, number one pick. <laughs> and thank you, Zach, for being biased. So we can't expect anything less. <laughs> nope. Anyway, thanks, everyone, for coming on. Enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy the week. Make sure you do something fun. And thanks for coming on to the podcast. We're going to be making some more improvements with the site each week. We're coming out with some new, some new features. We're readjusting what you're going to see on the NFL page and – Brendan, who might come on the next podcast, is making some major improvements in terms of content. He's adding video to most of the top players for the NFL draft. We're going to be adding pictures. Uh, we're going to be trying to add Twitter accounts and maybe some statistics. Uh, at some point, we'll hopefully get some scouting reports. So keep checking back. Keep clicking around. Use our stuff and tell us what you think. Only three shows till the draft. That's crazy. I know, I'm excited. Yeah, we even had the opening night at MLB. I mean, this is a great night. Thanks, everyone, and have a great night. Have a good one, guys. I don't know how much more of this that I can take. I want you. And I ain't gonna have you any other way Ain't no time for talking Show me what you got We gonna get this bed rocking It ain't gonna stop Ain't no time for talking Show me what you got We gonna get this bed rocking It ain't gonna stop